I could do the same things again in the next, the next race, whenever that is, I have no idea when that is, but I could do all these same things again and it could go disastrously bad. Episode 1019 of Diz Runs Radio is a quick tip episode. Today's quick tip, bucking conventional wisdom. Hey, y'all, real quick before we talk about bucking conventional wisdom, I uh, want to give a quick shout out to Andy, who has recently jumped on board the old Patreon train, helping out the show, helping helping me go a little bit financially, sending a little bit of coffee my way each and every month. And uh, if you haven't heard me talk about Patreon before, it's it's really simple. You know, you, you can pledge a dollar, two, five, ten, whatever you think the show might be worth and whatever obviously fits in your budget. Um to just kind of help keep things going, keep the lights on, keep things happening around here. Um, and there's a hand, there's a couple of handfuls. There's 30 some odd people that are, that are doing that each month. And it's really appreciated. Now, obviously it's not the only way to support the show. There are dozens of other ways and I talk about those various times. Uh, but when it comes to Patreon, it's, it's a pretty, you know, rubber meets the road type of situation with the financial support. But not only do you get the good feels for helping this thing go, um, and, and hopefully Andy is starting to experience some of those good feels, but you also, there, there's a couple other bonuses and, and a new bonus that I, that maybe is a bonus. I don't know. Some of you might think that it's, it's the, the polar opposite of a bonus is that I'm really trying to make a go at working on marathons and metaphors. The book that I've been sort of pseudo talking about writing for going on almost three years now. Um, but one of the things I'm doing to help make myself more accountable to that is sharing the links to the Google Docs and the the outlines and the things that I'm working on that's all virtual, sharing the links with the folks in Patreon. So they can they if you if you're a Patreon supporter, you can literally see the book come together. And right now it's rough. I'm not gonna lie. You may not even be able to make heads or tails of, of the things I've shared so far. Um but I think that could be a cool bonus. And as the book comes together, of course you'll be able to read the book before it's actually a book, which you know, might be kind of a cool thing as well. So if, if you like the idea of that, or maybe you want to join the book club, or maybe you just want the good feels, there's always room on the Patreon train. So check it out. Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Dizruns. Um, thank you, Andy, for, for jumping on board. Thanks to all the other 35, 36 folks that are on there right now. And everybody who's been a Patreon patron in the past and have had to drop off for various reasons. Hey, no harm, no foul. Appreciate y'all and and everybody who's supporting the show in any way, sharing it, talking about it, posting about it. I appreciate that as well. So thanks everybody for the support in various ways. And if you want some of that Patreon, Patreon good feel, it's patreon.com slash Dizruns. So today talking about unconventional wisdom or we're talking about conventional wisdom, but maybe thumbing our noses a little bit at some of the, the, the things that we do because they generally seem to work but maybe aren't exactly required. And if there's anything that, that, I don't know, like, like I like to think that I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit of a rebel sometimes. Like I'm probably not, I'm, I'm pretty conventional. I kind of get in my lane, but you know, sometimes you, you tell me you have to do it one way. And, and there's a little bit of that prickliness that comes out. And when it, when it, when we talk about running in general, I feel like there's a lot of, of things, a lot of topics that kind of get some traction as, well, this is just the way it's done. And I used to preach some of those things. Maybe I preach some different things now. Um, but when it comes to unwritten rules, when it comes to conventional wisdom, they tend to work, right? They tend to work pretty well for most people. But I think sometimes what we can lose sight of is that they're not the only way. There are other ways. There are other things that work just as well. 
there are potentially other things that might work better. Maybe not for everybody, but maybe for you. And that's and that's the point today. Some some areas that are things that maybe I've that I've definitely done differently than what the conventional wisdom would state. And you know, spoiler alert, like the wheels, like like it's it works, it works. Bucking conventional wisdom in some areas has definitely worked for me. So, uh, gonna share share a few areas of what the conventional wisdom is and what you know maybe I've how I've kind of bucked it and. To kind of put the, the proof to the pudding, last weekend as this episode comes out towards the end of January 2021, I ran the Celebration Half Marathon with the goal of racing it, with the goal of setting a new PR. First time I've really raced a half marathon in, in going on seven, almost seven years. Um, so I, I felt confident, but at the same time, it's been a while. And I actually kind of somewhat, in some sometimes intentionally, somewhat, it was just kind of how it shook out bucked the the four rules of conventional wisdom that we're talking about today and spoiler alert like the race still went okay so we'll get into that a little bit as we go but first four areas where i at least have some recent history with bucking conventional wisdom and things still kind of working out so you may have heard people talk about the idea that if you can't if you if you don't you you can't race fast how are you gonna get faster if you don't train fast you may have heard me talk about the opposite of that somewhat often about the idea of running easy most of the time, heart rate training, things like that. Running easy, racing fast. Conventional wisdom says you have to race fast. I obviously disagree with that. And, you know, I've been been in disagreement with that for years now, for three or four years. Um, look, I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this topic because I spend a lot of time on it a lot of times. And if, if you're not bought in on it, that's cool. That's cool. There's definitely value in speed workouts. There's definitely value in pushing the pace, um, at least occasionally. I would argue that it should be the the exception, not the rule. But if if you're struggling with the idea of running slow, quote unquote slow, slow for you, what would be a, 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 something that would be considered easy effort, and still being able to race fast, I promise you it works. Now you might have to stick with it for a while. It might take a little bit of leap of faith, and it's not always going to be perfect. But if the conventional wisdom says that you gotta you gotta do X amount of workouts at race pace or faster or whatever, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to. You don't have to. More on that when I can get into some numbers or when I do get into the numbers from my race last weekend. Unconventional bit of wisdom number two: if you don't fuel early and often, you're gonna bonk. Now, in in a certain situation, yeah, that's true. If you're racing longer, longer distances, if you're racing four, five, six, eight, ten hours, you know, for some of the ultras or even some of the folks that are more, you know, don't mean this the wrong way, but just it takes you longer to do a marathon or whatever. You're going to be out there for that long. You're going to be out there for six hours for a half marathon, whatever the case might be. If you're going to be out and moving and pushing and running for four, six, eight, ten hours, like, yeah, you're going to need to fuel. Like even, even somebody like me that, that has kind of, you know, kind of been thumbing my nose at this whole, you know, carb dependency thing for a while and going more of the fat adapted route, like I still need to fuel, right? Still needs to happen. But I saw people fueling at like mile two, mile three at the race this weekend. And to me, like they're following the guidelines. I got to start fueling early. I need to fuel every couple miles, whatever, you know, at least every time frame or whatever the intervals might be in terms of 35, 40 minutes, because it takes a little while to digest and blah, 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 blah. And the packet says for best results, take one gel every 45 minutes. You don't need to fuel that often. All right. You might, it might work for you. 
But but if you struggle with sucking down a gel as much as I do, don't fuel that often. All right, you can you can buck that bit of conventional wisdom, and I bet you can you'll still be okay. I bet you'll still be okay. Rule three, or unwritten rule three, or unconventional bit of wisdom three that I bucked this past weekend. If you don't drink, you're going to be dehydrated and you're going to, you're going to be crushed. All right. Look at, look at human history. Okay. Whatever your belief systems are, whether, whether it's that we, we sprang up in a garden some 7,000 plus years ago, or whether it's came out, we came out of the trees a hundred plus years ago, hundred plus thousand years ago. The fact of the matter is that whenever we started and however we got to where we are today, we haven't had hydration vests and water bottles and handhelds and things of that nature for what? Maybe the last 30, 40 years at the most? Certainly not within the last 100, 150 years. Certainly not when we were, you know, on the savanna persistence hunt- hunting antelope to try to feed the tribe, right? Like we were able to run, maybe not at race pace, but we were able to run as people for hours in the sun and not everybody died of dehydration. Okay. Now maybe I'm taking some liberties there, but I think hopefully the point comes true that a little bit of dehydration here and there may not be optimal, but our bodies can handle it. Now. Yes. There's a, there's a point where performance is going to suffer. And yes, probably you can make a strong argument. And I would believe your argument that maintaining adequate levels of hydration is going to improve your performance. But saying that you need to drink X amount of fluids every X amount of ounces of fluid every hour or every mile or whatever, like tap the brakes. All right. Um, if you don't drink a little bit, especially for a race, that's relatively shorter, whether that's, you know, in it's sliding scale, you're going to, you have a chance to still be okay. You have a chance to not be in the throes of dehydration simply by not having a drink for an hour. Okay. Just saying. Last but not least on my unwritten rules that I uh, thumbed my nose at over the weekend that you need to watch your watch super closely to make sure that your splits are, are where you want them to be to make sure you're not going too fast, too slow. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea to have an idea. Make sure that you're not just throwing down and make sure that you're not just dragging. You know, like if, if you've got, if you've got a goal and you want to run a two hour half marathon you need to, you know, you need to average about a nine, nine Oh five, nine, nine Oh eight pace, something like that for the, the whole thing. You know, maybe you don't want to just, just go out and, and throw down a couple of 12 minute miles. Cause that makes a pretty big hill to climb to, to make up that time. Similarly, you also make, maybe want to make sure that you're not just floating and running a seven minute mile. Cause that might be tapping the energy resources too early, but you know, you don't need to have your watch set to, to vibrate every time that you go, you know, slower than 904 and faster than 909 to make sure that you stay in this perfect window. And you certainly don't need to be a slave to watching your watch, like to still stay in the right ranges and to still have success. So those are four, four rules that I think if to various degrees are pretty well, somewhat well, at least accepted in the running circle. Maybe I'm missing the mark. Maybe I've, maybe I've been in my own silo long enough that I, I don't even know what, what the general running populace is talking about anymore. But I feel like the idea that you have to run fast to, to race fast is prevalent. 
feel the idea is that you have to fuel X amount of times or every number of minutes or else you're going to bonk and all hell's going to break loose. I feel like the, the, the idea that if you don't drink enough fluids during your run, like you you might die. Like, I feel like that's pretty prevalent. And I feel like the idea of watching your splits and running controlled is pretty prevalent as well. And so fast forward to, or, or I guess rewind to my race where I did none of those things. I did, I did none of those, those things at all. Now, if you've been following along for a while and, and you heard me talk about it already, like, you know, that I do this whole heart rate training thing, run slow, race fast type of situation. Um, and that's not new. And quite frankly, like that's something that you got to stick to for a while to really see it pay off. But if you, if you follow my, my accountability posts on Instagram, which I'm not encouraging you to do that because I feel like they're incredibly boring, but I know some of you follow them and have gotten messages about that. You actually appreciate me posting that type of thing, which again, I don't quite understand, but if it helps you cool, I'll keep doing it. You know that most of my runs, like a, a, a fast, easy run for me would be like a 930, 940 pace, something like that. Most of my days, they end up right around 10 minutes flat. Uh, some days they're high tens, even low 11s. I think today as I'm recording this, my first run post-race where my legs still aren't quite there yet, maybe didn't follow my whole pain-free plus three situation, but you know, you can call me a hypocrite. It wouldn't be the first time, won't be the last. Uh, but I think today my pace was like 11 something. I needed, I needed to keep it slow, right? But that's, that's me most of the time in that 10 minute range. I do in 2021, so last year, I did one hard workout per month, some variation of intervals typically but I did one hard workout per month where, where I definitely pushed the pace. But that means the other, whatever, 300 times that I ran something like that was all in that 10 minute range for the most part. My pace for my 13.1 miles on Sunday was, I believe, 735, 737, something like that. I, I finished in, a, in an hour and 39 seconds and or 39 seconds. No, no, no. An hour and 39 minutes in like 57 seconds, something like that. So right around seven and a half pace, probably a little bit slower, 740 pace, let's say. All right. I couldn't tell you that I've run 740 pace like at all in the last year. Maybe certainly faster that in some of the workouts, but I don't think I ever settled on that pace at all. Certainly not any of my easy runs, certainly not any of my long runs. So, you know, the idea that you can't race fast if you're running easy most of the time or, or what you might consider slower than, than what your, your race pace would be. Yeah. Bucked. Consider that one bucked. What about the whole, uh, fueling early and often situation. And again, this may not, this, this, this is my N equals one. All right. So, so if, if fueling early and often works for you, your stomach can handle it. Keep on keeping on. But if you struggle GI wise in races, maybe it's time to rethink your fueling strategy on Sunday, a week ago, got up, had some coffee. I think I had three strawberries and maybe two or three pineapple chunks. At about, I don't know what time that was. Maybe, maybe, maybe five o'clock race started at seven, finished my coffee on the way to the race. Um, I don't think I even had any water. I had some water at the house too. Just, just so that we're all on the same page of what I consumed pre-race race went off. I didn't carry anything with me. Just took off. It was chilly. It was like 30 degrees. So I, you know, wasn't, wasn't really worried too much. Um, and made the decision to not bring any, any, fluids with me, any fuel with me. And, uh, you know, eight thirty nine fifty five, I crossed the finish line and had something to, uh, to drink at that point. No fuel during the race, no gels, no chews, no big fancy breakfast, no liquid calories, nothing. And somehow I didn't bonk. 
Now, maybe there's, and again, and I'm not trying to say that for the longer races, that that's going to be the best strategy. Not even to say that for the shorter races, that's the best strategy, but it worked for me. Even though conventional wisdom and several, as, as several runners demonstrated that, you know, you need to start fueling your gels at mile three. Now, some of them were they running the marathon, probably, but where some of them run in the half, almost assuredly, and they're already fueling 30 minutes ish into a race that they're going to be finished in less than two hours. Because if, if, if I was still around them at mile three, I mean, there, there weren't even 30 minutes. They were 25 minutes into the race, uh, based on my paces. And you know, if they weren't going to fall off too far, they were going to finish somewhere between an hour and 45 minutes and maybe two hours and 10 minutes. Um, I don't think they needed to fuel that often, but they're just following conventional wisdom. Hey, if it worked for them, great. But again, you probably don't need to fuel as much, especially for these races that are less than about two hours. That's the general rule of how much glycogen we can store is about enough for two hours worth of good effort. So if you're running a marathon, yeah, you're probably going to need to fuel. You're going to need to figure that out. Even if you're fat adapted, like I feel like I am, you're still probably going to need to figure something out. Running an ultra, yeah, you're going to have to fuel. But probably not as early as you think, potentially not as often as you think, and certainly not as early or as often as what the the labels on the gels might tell you or the, the packaging for the different running fuels might tell you. All right? So just something to maybe play with. The third situation, I kind of already, like these two kind of work together, but if you don't drink, you're going to be dehydrated and you're going to die. Or at least just your performance is going to suffer. Let's not, let's not go all the way to the death situation because that, that's certainly a possibility. Um, but guess what? You, you don't always have to drink. Now, maybe, maybe this, this is something I shouldn't talk too much about because of liability or something like that. I don't know. But like the, when the conditions aren't hot and you're not going to be out there that long, like, you know, yes, you're going to sweat a little bit. Yes, I sweat a little bit, even though it was 30 degrees on, on Sunday for the race. All right. But did I, was I massively dehydrated at the finish line? I mean, I doubt it. Was I minimally dehydrated based on, you know, other than, you know, was I at maximum uh, uh, ideal levels of hydration? Probably not. But that little bit of dehydration that I was, or that little bit of dehydrated I was, NBD, NBD. People have been dealing with dehydration forever, doing a lot more strenuous things, a lot more life-threatening things than running for an hour and 40 minutes, okay? So drink, drink during a race, especially if it's hot. You know, of course, drink during a race. Drink during your training runs. But if you don't drink, you know, eight to, eight to 10 ounces per hour or whatever, you, you do your sweat test, you figure out how much you sweat. If you don't replace drop per drop per hour, it's just going to be okay. And I know some people, like that's, that's their thing. That's like what they like, oh, you need to do a sweat test. I saw somebody on, on Facebook recently. It was like, you need to be doing multiple sweat tests per year to find out what your rate of sweat is so that you can make sure you're drinking just as much as you're, as you're sweating out during a race. My goodness. Or even during their runs. Like, oh God, no, heck no. If that works for you, great. If you, if you got a stomach that can handle that much fluid, great. But if you don't drink as much as you sweat out during a run, especially a run that's a couple few hours long, you're going to be okay going to be okay, despite what conventional wisdom and conventional marketing might have you believe. Last but not least, the idea that you need to keep an eye on your watch, especially when you're racing, you're trying to hit certain times um, to make sure you're not going too fast or too slow, to make sure you're pacing well, uh, hopefully maybe kind of even splitting or negative splitting. Um, And again, I think there's some value to that, but I also think that sometimes you just go. What I did for for this race is kind of kept an eye on things in the beginning, every mile or so, 
um, just to make sure that I wasn't starting too fast, but also that I wasn't starting too slow. And my first mile, I think was like 8.30, slower than I wanted to be. Um, I knew I needed to average like right around an eight-minute pace to hit my goal of coming in below 145. But okay, you know, early congested race, that happens. No big deal. I don't even know if I saw the split for the second mile. But like by the time I got to like mile three, I was down to like 7.30, faster than I wanted to be, but it felt good. So I just went with it. And I kind of kept an eye on things the the rest of the way. I would I would check in, you know, here and there. Um, and I even changed my watch face to show the, the data fields that I wanted. I wanted to see what my current pace was. And I wanted to see what my overall average pace was. Um, so I just kind of kept an eye on those things. But was I a slave to my watch when I saw 7.25? Did I freak out? No. No. Because based on what my goals were and based on what I thought my fitness level was, I felt like that was within the margin of error. I wasn't sure I'd be able to maintain that pace throughout. And there were a couple of miles that were closer to like 740 um, once I got settled in. But for the most part, there was a lot of consistency in the 720s and 730s without watching my watch, with just listening to my body and pushing as I was able to. Doing what felt comfortable, not comfortable, but felt doable, felt comfortably hard based on the distance that I was running. So, you know, yes, have an idea. But the idea that you need to hit exact splits at exact times, unless you're pacing a race, don't be a slave to your watch. Listen to your body. Trust what it's telling you. You know, maybe have some guardrails set by keeping an eye on your watch, but that's that's it. Trust your body. Again, all these things, and this, you know, this is my experience at one race. I could do the same things again at the next, the next race, whenever that is. I have no idea when that is, but I could do the, all these same things again, and it could go disastrously bad. But the, the net result of me bucking conventional wisdom last weekend was a five minute and change PR. I think it was five minutes and seven seconds or five minutes and eight seconds, something like that. It's not a bad PR for an old man. Now that I'm in the master's category, I can say that I'm an old man, right? That's how that works. Once you, once you turn 40, you're old. Well, I'm, I'm old now. This is the first race I'd run as, as an old man. And, you know, I beat my young man self. So I'll take it. I'll take it. Even if that means that I didn't do everything, quote unquote, the right way, it was the right way for me. So, so the moral of the story, I guess what the, the actual quick tip is after 20 something minutes of non quick nonsense is that sometimes you got to ignore conventional wisdom to find out if something might work better for you, for you may not be the right thing for everybody, but you'll never know if you just keep following conventional wisdom. So maybe try something new this year. Maybe try something new on race day. Gasp, another piece of conventional wisdom that I don't think makes sense. We can get into that another day if you want. But try something new. See if it works. See if it works the same. See if it works even better. Because you don't know unless you try. Make calculated risks. If you have questions, I'm happy to answer them or have those discussions or maybe play devil's advocate. But maybe, just maybe, in 2022, you find something that actually works better for you by willingly bucking the conventional wisdom that maybe you've been following for years. I don't know. I don't know. It worked for me. Results not typical. Results not guaranteed. But it might just work for you as well. So that's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Five plus minute PR. Yeah. Worked all right. Conventional wisdom. Meh. I'll take it and leave it at best. 
What about you? Where do you stand on conventional wisdom? What's what are the rules that you're unwilling to break? What things are you willing to, to color outside the lines on? Um, you think I'm crazy? What else? What else? Anything about today's episode? Conventional rules, bucking the trends, uh, following the unwritten rules. I'd love to hear it at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. You can also send an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can also head over to the show notes for today. It's a few memes, a few gifs, a few nonsenses. And there's also that, that comment section down at the bottom. You can leave your thoughts, feedbacks, takeaways there as well. Always love to hear from you. Whatever works best for you works pretty well for me. So that is it for today. Thanks again for, for listening. Thanks for the time and attention. If you enjoyed this episode, if you got some friends that are just all in on following the, the quote unquote rules, maybe maybe hit this hit that share button and send this one to them. Be like, hey, you know, not for nothing, but maybe we should try something different. Maybe you should try something different. Maybe you should stop giving me crap when I try something different because, hey, sometimes different works really well. Hit that share button and spread the word. Also, if you want to support the show via Patreon and, and get some sneak peeks at Marathons and Metaphors, which is coming to a bookshelf eventually, uh, patreon.com slash Dizruns, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Dizruns. Andy, thanks again once, once more for jumping on board. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Call it a day at 25-odd minutes. Goodness gracious. How do I talk for 25 minutes every week? I don't know, but y'all put up with it. So maybe, maybe the real question is, how do y'all listen to it for 25 minutes every week? Anyway, I appreciate it. Till next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And we'll talk soon, all right? See you.